Hi, my name is Esther, and today we're going to be talking about the time-traveling soldier who popped into our world line just long enough to make us all wonder if time travel is indeed possible. Keep listening to find out what the hell happens. Hi, welcome to What the Hell Happened. Today I am here with the breathtaking Mr. Lockwood. Hold on, I was catching my breath. I Dad don't... joke of the night. Yeah. Ugh. 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 That's all <laughs> I can say. <laughs> so if you're joining us today, this is part two of our John Titer episode. If you have not listened to part one, please go back and listen to that one first, or a lot of this may make no sense at all to you. I am just going to uh, give a quick recap. In 1998, the host of a radio program called Coast to Coast AM, Art Bell, receives two faxes from a time traveler claiming to be from the year 2036. He has a few warnings along with detailed information on the time traveling device that he uses. In November of 2000, chats start showing up in the Time Traveling Institute forum by a poster who goes by the handle name Time Travel Zero. He answers questions about time travel, what his world line looks like, and posts pictures of his car, military insignia, and schematics for the portable time machine that he was issued. Time Travel Zero has stopped in 2000 on his way back from acquiring the IBM 5100 computer that he was ordered to retrieve from the year 1975. This specific legacy computer is needed in order to repair an issue in his world line in the year 2036. He has made a pit stop in 2000 in order to help prepare his parents for the upcoming not-so-pleasant future and to gather some photographs and documents that were destroyed in the war in his world line. He begins engaging in chats online seemingly as somewhat of a social experiment to gain knowledge about how we interact with him and each other. We now continue with a few more relevant chats. These chats are now starting in 2001. Time Traveler Zero is now posting in the Art Bell forums which was an online counterpart to the Coast to Coast show. It is at this point in January of 2001, he begins going by the name John Titer. I've been waiting to say that name for hours and <laughs> hours and hours of recording. Yes, we finally got there. There's literally no mention of his name in the first whole episode we did because up until 2001, there's literally, he was... He was actually forced in these chats to create a name. Like you have to enter a real username, not mm. not a handle. Apparently that's the name he chose. Strange. When are you leaving to go home? There are certain windows I must wait for in order to leave. There will be two this year. The first one opens this spring. Is it possible for you to return to this timeline once you leave? Not with the machine I have now. Can you give us some personal stories of your past? 
I was born in 1998, so I do share some childhood memories with all of you. I remember going to Disney World at Christmas, and I remember going to the beach in Daytona. When the civil conflict started and got worse, people generally decided to either stay in the cities and lose most of their civil rights under the guise of security, or leave the cities for more isolated and rural areas. Our home was searched once, and the neighbor across the street was arrested for some unknown reason. That convinced my father to leave the city. From the age of 8 to 12, we lived away from the cities and spent most of our time in a farm community with other families avoiding conflict with the federal police and National Guard. By that time, it was pretty clear that we were not going back to what we had, and the division between the cities and the country was well defined. My father made a living by putting together 12-volt electrical systems and sailing commodities up and down the coast of Florida. I spent most of my time helping him. Outright open fighting was common by then, and I joined a shotgun infantry unit in 2011. I served with the Fighting Diamondbacks for about four years. Hearing in my right ear isn't as good as I would like it. The Civil War ended in 2015 when Russia attacked the U.S. cities, our enemy, China, and Europe. As unusual and bad as my childhood might seem, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Africa is not a pleasant place to be in 2036, although I would characterize it as recovering. The music you enjoy now is quite popular and available, it's just not produced in anywhere near the same amount. There is a revival of local and classical music. Many people have learned to play their own. I personally enjoy big band, some classical and interesting lyrical pieces from the 1970s and 1980s. When I arrived, I approached my father and was easily able to prove to him who I was. I am currently with my parents and the me who is three. They are very aware of what I am doing, why I am here, and when I will be leaving. It may interest you to know that my father still does not truly believe the machine works, even after touching and seeing it. Yes, education is still taught in a classroom, but the entire focus and system looks nothing like what you have now. Don't worry, you won't miss it. I am currently based in Tampa, Florida, in Hillsborough County. Yes, I am free, but I have obligations as a citizen. Everyone is required to have basic military training and provide a period of time for community service. It is very much like a type of mandatory National Guard service and Peace Corps. Yes, civil liberties are more important. You will feel the same after having your house searched a couple of times. We do not live in a racist society, but definitely a prejudiced one. Everyone carries their own water. Our government looks very much like yours. It is a representative republic. My definition of a patriot is anyone who defends the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Religion has become far less centralized. Extremes tend to bring you closer to God, so I would characterize religion and spirituality as a much more of a personal situation. I do not know what happens when we die. However, I don't think it will be easy. There may be some very difficult decisions we have to make when we die that we are totally unprepared for. It's difficult to define most predominant religion. Christianity has fragmented into many groups and people with different beliefs speak much more openly with others who have different outlooks and opinions. I would imagine there are large groups of Hindus, Buddhists, and Muslims, but I have not come across them personally. No, Jesus did not come back, at least not that I'm aware of. If or when Jesus returns, do you think he'll be a lamb or a lion? 
No mission to Mars, but we are working on it. There is a group working on the idea of gravity displacement to get into space, but the calculations and error rate are very large obstacles to overcome. We don't know what's on Mars yet. We're not on the moon yet either. A great deal of technical effort is going into cleaning the planet up. I don't know if the government created AIDS. I tend to think yes, but controlling it escaped them as it mutated. You can't have conspiracy to limit the population with a disease without a cure. The average lifespan is about 60, but I expect that will improve as we get things cleaned up. Even for you, Tesla technology can be found in appliances, motors, and generators. I would have to say we have come a long way on Tesla's foundation, but we don't have electricity rays that cause earthquakes. I do believe that your Unix will also have a problem in 2038. I don't think that's a secret, but maybe someone should put a 5100 aside for 30 years or so. John. February 11th, 2001. Greetings, everyone. I've missed you all, too. My email system is made up of quite a few addresses, locations, and computers. Some of them work better than others, and for a period of time, I have been unable, in my own way, to get to this site. It appears I've come back at just the right moment. I see you're all asking yourselves questions about who I really am and what I want and why I'm here. Frankly, I really can't blame you, but perhaps it's a bit easier now to understand why I not only didn't expect you to believe me, and I didn't want you to. As far as my credibility, I thought we had reached some sort of happy medium and we could call each other friend. I see, however, that may not be the case, and I must admit I'm a bit disappointed. It seems that unless I follow your expectations of what a time traveler should be doing, thinking, or feeling, then I must be a fraud. Or is it just safer to keep telling yourself that? Although John is creative, his declarations on quantum theories have already been proven to be wrong. Which quantum theories are you talking about? Please forgive me, but if I missed a question or if there was something else to go into, I would have been happy to do so. John talks about a civil war being started between the Democrats and the Republicans. Later, this escalates into World War III, and he mentions that it's a good thing for us. I don't believe I ever said the war was between Democrats and Republicans. If I am incorrect, please point that out. It doesn't exactly escalate as much as it opens the door for other aggression. Yes, I think the war would be good for society, and I would be happy to debate that with you. John tells us to buy a gun, find five friends, and get a bicycle. This conflicts with his comments about killing all of us off. If you could point out how this violates the three guidelines I stated earlier, I would give it considerable thought. Perhaps you are correct, and that was a mistake. Again, I don't believe I said I want to kill you. Personally, I think murder is wrong. You seem to be pretty good at that yourself. I looked up the name Titer and couldn't find anything. Is your family not listed in the phone book? I guess it depends when you look. How did you buy your truck? How could you title it if you were only three years old at this point? How did you pay for it? Don't worry. Fortunately, these are things we're taught at time travel school in How to Get Around in the Sarcastic 20th Century. I said I didn't have any money from 2036. I have plenty from here. February 13th, 2001. As for John Titer's corrections, 
on space-time manipulation. He has completed it correctly. However, he is still an imposter. Apparently, I have made the leap from fraud to imposter. At least that's a start, and I respect my opponent on this polite yet quiet concession on the other thread. I wish to emphasize a point I tried to make earlier. Even though I answered the question correctly, it doesn't really prove one way or another if I'm a time traveler and you should not think otherwise. I might just be really quick at looking up things on the web. I suppose we could debate whether or not I'm a fraud all the way up to the point I leave your world line. February 14th, 2001. My motive. I've been in your time a bit longer than I had expected. My next opportunity to go home comes in the spring. For most of my adult life, I have read about, wondered, and debated about this time. I have this opportunity to share experiences. If you absolutely believe I was a time traveler with no skepticism whatsoever, then we would be unable to communicate. The focus of our attention would then always be on the machine. The experiences, opinions, and reasons you do things are just as valid as mine and just as different. I hope to return home with a better understanding of why you think and believe the way you do. Although I do understand the reasons for asking, I won't gain from any communication with you by spouting physics formulas and pop culture predictions. Please do not assume I am purposely avoiding questions. I am human. I get tired and I forget things. Please just remind me if I missed a question and I will get to it. February 19th, 2001. Is John Titer your real name? Yes, John Titer is a real name. What rank were you in the Army? It is the equivalent of Major. Do you have any fears? I fear people who want others to take action based on their own emotions and irrational fears. In your world time, do you have things like Sasquatch, Loch Ness Monster, and other reported unusual animals? We have our swamp monsters too. In fact, I think it's interesting that we all respond to the unknown the same way regardless of our cultural experiences. Will you post more pictures or pages of the manual? Yes, I am pondering posting more of the manual. I am also considering having my departure videotaped, and yes, it will be free. My only concern is how it might affect the me on this world line. What weapons did you use to protect yourself? Do you have a weapon now? I used a shotgun in the war. Yes, I think it's prudent to be prepared for anything. Your enemy was in the cities. Was the president in 2005 also on the enemy side? How did you feel personally about the president then? The president or leader in 2005, I believe, tried desperately to be the next Lincoln and hold the country together, but many of their policies drove a larger wedge into the Bill of Rights. The president in 2009 was interested only in keeping his or her power base. Should we be stockpiling guns? The answer to this is no. You will draw a great deal of negative attention to yourself. I recommend becoming familiar with firearms. This means taking a safety course and learning to shoot and clean many different types. There will be plenty of guns around when you need them. What kind of people will be the ones least trustworthy? The people with the most to lose if the world changes. 
Does the Civil War start in such a way that those willing will have time to remove themselves to safer locations? Yes, you will be forced to ask yourself how many civil rights you will give up to feel safe. Do you remember any poetry after 2001 in your past? A soldier's winter, the day before it wasn't snowing. The trees are strangers, leering, disapproving in the ash of winter. My world, my life, my wandering path. I pray God's eyes may once again gaze upon me and remind me that I am still his child. I only think I remember the first line, but the last one I remember. It has quite a few more lines that I don't remember. It is rumored this was written first as a letter by a soldier. After he died, it was added to and edited by others. In my opinion, it has become a symbol for the collective guilt my parents' generation feels for what became of the world. I'm guessing the date of your return to the future is April 19th. That is a day to remember, but I was thinking more along the lines of March 21st. John, you were born about halfway into this cycle. Gen Xers would be about 40 to 50 years old in 2036. In my opinion, the Gen Xers ended up in two categories. There were the ones who had learned to be independent by breaking away from tradition and society's expectations, and the others who had no idea how to take care of themselves and just wanted the trains to run on time. The ones in the first group feel very guilty about letting the world go to hell, and the ones in the second group are dead. Can you tell me when the police stop busting people for weed? It happens about the same time they stop coming to your house when you dial 911. Dear fellow time travelers, in about 30 days I will be leaving this world line to return home to 2036. I first want to say thank you for the wonderful conversation and insight into your society. I've learned a great deal and my opinion on quite a few things has changed dramatically. In addition, I am hopeful a series of photocopies and photographs will be available for you that may give you more insight into the technology of the distortion unit. I will let you know the address of the site when it is available. I also plan to have my parents videotape my departure. If they succeed, it will also be posted after I leave. I look forward to these last few weeks with my family and I will check in periodically to check this site. Live in peace, 2001, John. March 24th, 2001. I will be leaving this world line shortly, and this will be my final post. There are only a handful of people who will know exactly when I will be leaving, and I'm sure they will let you know when I'm gone. In the last few days, I have found your choice of topics quite interesting, and from an objective viewpoint, I think it collectively answers one of your own questions. If time travel is real, where are all the time travelers? In the past, I have stated that, quite frankly, you all scare the hell out of me, and I'm sure other temporal drivers would feel the same. But now I have an expanded explanation with two examples. A while ago, on one of the posts, I related an experience I had with my parents while we were driving down a highway. Every now and then, we would pass someone who was in obvious distress with their vehicle. I was amazed that so many people could pass them by without stopping to help. Their explanation was fear. The risk of helping someone was too great, and with today's technology, they probably had a cell phone anyway. If they didn't, the walk to a gas station would be a good for them and teach them a lesson for running out of gas. The other example is the plight of the homeless. 
When you pass them as individuals on the street, I see the way people selectively choose an alternate path to avoid them. Those two examples best define why time travelers do not show themselves. In trying to help you, we put ourselves at great risk and there's really no point to it. We know the nature of time dictates the traveling between exact world lines is impossible. Therefore, the only results we will see will be the ones we stay to see. Since world lines, outcomes, and events are infinite, we have better things to do. When I arrive in the new 1998 world line on my way home, I could easily start all of this again and continue to go through the same conversations with all of the same people. However, I already know you won't pay any attention or believe me because we've already been through it on this world line. Besides, I think the walk to the gas station will do you some good. The following are the last questions I saw before my going home posts. I apologize for not being able to get to all of them. Are you still planning on broadcasting your departure over the internet? My father will be videotaping the departure. My primary concern is the anonymity of my family. In addition, my departure will be in a somewhat public place and I do not want to draw additional attention to myself. That secondary objective is basically to gather as much information about a world line based on a set of observable variables when we first arrive. Your world line met those conditions. What amazes me is why no one here wonders why Y2K didn't hit them at all. Bring a gas can with you when your car dies on the side of the road. Farewell, John. People seem to be more critical and angry in these chats. There were a ton more, but we had to pick through the most relevant ones for time reasons. I just want to mention how much I actually love some of his responses to people. He's actually pretty funny, and there were so many chats where he, his answers were real snappy and quick, and I just couldn't put them all in. So There are definitely, especially in the later ones, as he is challenged more, you know, he gives maybe funny but evasive answers. Yes. But at the same time, his overall reasoning is like, you guys are all fucked anyway, and nothing I say is going to make a difference, so why do I care? Right, right. I agree. Yeah, yeah they, they are evasive. And the other thing that I noticed, too, is that he repeatedly mentions that he doesn't care whether he's believed or not. Yeah. You know, he, he doesn't ever get combative. It's still in character. If, mm-hmm. if he was real, it would be a valid perspective. When I was reading these, I had no idea that trolls were out there in the year 2000. There be some trolls on the internet. Oh, yeah. Past trolls. You have trolls. no idea. I had no clue. I was reading and these people kept getting meaner and angrier and more upset. And they're like, you're fake. And I was just like, damn, (laughs) it's only gotten worse. Trolls were better then. They had to be because the average person on the internet then was more technical. They had to be. Right. Because computers weren't as easy to use. So the trolls were smarter? The trolls were smarter and the people getting trolled were smarter. Nowadays, most of the trolls are pretty low level in my opinion. Pretty obvious. There's so many people that will fall for stuff, no matter what you do, that you're just going to get weak. Your game is going to get weak yeah. as a troll. Yeah. There's certain places on the internet yet where you you can be A top-tier troll. <laughs> yeah, where you're up against top-tier skeptics and users. Yeah. I think even these people who are doing a little bit of trolling on John here, 
a lot of them, their questions weren't unjustified. Like their questions were actually pretty good. Pretty reasonable. But they were they were doing it in such a troll like yeah. manner, you know. I mean the other thing is is we don't know what the process of these messages getting curated was over time. No. So I don't think there's there's obviously no way to get the raw Mm-mm. like text. So it's probably been filtered over time too by just right fans well, enthusiasts even like we had to i mean there's yeah. just no way to convey to everyone out yeah. there just how much there is like i said i am gonna put a link in the show notes to the entire pdf that i have but i mean it's also something that has been curated by someone and pieced together yeah. by someone i could not find a raw version of these yeah. texts anywhere on the internet if you were a super fan of this and you really loved it and believed it how easy would it be to like Oops, we'll leave that little post out because yeah. it, it's, you know, doesn't fit the narrative. Paints in the, a, a negative light or it's stupid or, you know, or it's been disproven now. And then we'll, we'll just leave it out. That could happen. During my reading and picking out text, I tried to paint a pretty round picture. I really, really tried to give you everything that I could about the time machine that wasn't so super technical because, let's be honest. That's really boring. I did give you enough pieces so that you, Mr. Lockwood, could be technical a little mm-hmm. bit with it. And I really, really tried to kind of paint a picture of John's personality and how he handled the trolls. My favorite thing about this whole thing is that the parts that were more believable then are now the less believable parts. Yes. And the parts that were less believable then due to some especially very current scientific research and developments, are becoming very believable. Very believable, yeah. Yes. And I I have to Which say... Which is very strange. It is very strange. Yes. I also think that in these chats, there are just some parts in there that seem weirdly relevant oh, yeah. given today's current events. I found myself going, whoa, that's really weird. He's talking about things that are you know, happening in his future that sound a lot like our Mm -hmm. current state of affairs. Well, we certainly haven't had the nuclear war yet. Nope, that hasn't happened yet. And, you know, that's another thing is even by his own rules, there's actually no reason why there would have to be a civil war or a nuclear war. Our timeline could be different enough that that just wouldn't happen. It just doesn't happen. I I don't know. I think the whole Civil War thing, I mean, it really feels like that right about now. Certain people seem to think that. Yeah. And the whole dividing of the governments, maybe states seceding um, from the Union, like that all kind of seems relevant. And as much as we're all tired of talking about coronavirus and you and I try not to talk about it on here because let's be honest, it's depressing. Yeah. But when he talks about AIDS and how he's not entirely certain that it wasn't a purposeful leak by another country to uh, lower the population, I was just like, whoa, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, but again, even back then, I remember those conspiracy theories were all over the Internet. Sure. So, you know, this guy... Yeah, he could just be really good at Internet. ...could easily source... Well, clearly they are. (laughs) Right. That's kind of the other thing is when you're in the time that we're in now, it's really hard to know where all the little memes and kind of, they're not like quite beliefs, but they're like motifs that people live in on the internet. 
you don't know where they come from. You know, you, you first hear something, and you go, oh, man, that's so amazing. A meme or whatever. And if you haven't been around that long, yeah, you don't realize that that meme or that idea basically happened in like 1994, like on yeah. some forum. You have somewhere. no clue where it originated. And it's just lived and morphed and mutated through the years. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times, ones that you've never heard of, they kind of get forgotten about and they lose popularity. And then after a while, someone dredges it up and throws it out and it just sticks and everyone go, you know, runs with it. And they're like, oh, this is crazy. And it's like, yeah, dude, that somebody said that 30 years ago. Yeah. You know, almost verbatim. So a lot of this stuff, we're like, oh, wow, it sounds real predictive. And it's like, yeah, but they were saying the exact same shit back then. We right. just forgot about it all. And as far as the predictiveness of his comments yeah. and his preachings, let's yeah. say, because he preaches a little bit. You, you might have said it last episode. Like with anything, I think that you can kind of give a generalization of a prediction and then the odds that in the next 10 years, something similar will probably happen. There's probably a good chance that that's Nostradamus. How it is. Yeah. Right? This is the Nostradamus effect. Yeah. I just want to go over a couple of things that John talked about in these 2001 chats. We get more personal details this time around about John and his family. John says that at the age of 13, he joined the Fighting Diamondback Militia and served with them for four years. It was described as a shotgun infantry unit. Which is very, very odd to me, especially. Yeah. This would have been in 2011 when he joined this infantry unit. I searched for a good while and could not find evidence of such a militia group by that name in that year in Florida. There is one that is in another state, but the gentleman who started it outrightly attributes its creation because of his knowledge uh-huh. of the John Titer chats. Mm. Of course, this could just mean that it never existed in our version of the world line, which... I think is kind of a great excuse to use if you need to explain away almost anything if you're a time traveler. Sure. Right? Well, that's <laughs> one of the problems with this time traveling. Like all good cons, the unfalsifiability seems to know no bounds. Well, I mean, that's the beauty of this story, yes, right? that's what's like, so good about it. There are so many world lines that no matter what prediction I make, whether it yes. comes true or not, it came true because I knew it, and it didn't come true because it must have happened in yeah. another world well, line. Well, speaking of the multiple world lines, I myself am not a fan of that like I, theory. I'm not either. And it's like kind of popular right now in some of the probably more pop physics type news and stuff. My guess is that the people that speak of multiple world lines that are serious physicists don't really mean it the same way as not in the same way. Uh, serious physicists probably don't think of the multi-world line, multiverse kind of thing, in quite the same way as like a popular science writer right. would. I think the best example of that is it's not like a Rick and Morty with a portal gun situation. Right. This would be like Rick and Morty if Rick's portal gun like couldn't exactly pick a world like he had an up down left and right button yeah but there was no like coordinates and he just had to push one and he got where he got yeah he could get close he could get like 
backward or forward, but he wouldn't hit a year. Yeah, and he would never get back to where he started from. No. No. And that's another curiosity in this. John Titer can supposedly get back to the his original timeline, but he can never come back to the one that's not the original one. He says that, mm-hmm. and he also says in one part that he cannot exactly get back to his original. Okay, see, well, that would yes. be more make more sense. Yes. He says there, it would, there would still be a divergence. Yeah, I think he's oh. just saying that, like, the ultimate divergence to get back to the original is so little that, that it, it doesn't matter. matter. Yeah, it would be a factor of this one TV show is on on Mondays instead of Fridays. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, another thing is, even with two micro singularities, we're talking about major wattage, but to essentially twist an entire another universe out of yours, again, the energy would be so much that I just don't think it would work. You know, he does mention that when he begins the time travel process and actually starts time traveling in the vehicle, that a chunk of dirt that is under the vehicle gets sucked away, basically, with the machine. And then that chunk of dirt shows up under the machine when he lands. Lands in air air quotes. Being that you would have to use so much energy... You would basically suck the planet inside out if you use that much energy, <laughs> right? Instead of I mean, just having like a chunk of dirt. Yeah, the kind of energy we're talking about to do this kind of thing is it's immense. It's so immense. It's like converting all of the matter of Jupiter into energy to do it. That probably doesn't mean much to most people, but Jupiter's really big. So it's just an unfathomable amount of energy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what What's with the fucking cryptocurrency, man? Anyone would know that was going to happen. Wait, does he say crypto? No, of course not. Yeah. If he did, this would absolutely be real. Well, he did say that the banks, there's no um, centralized banking. You could argue that about banking mostly right now. He does mention money, though, and it sounds like he's talking about paper money. Yeah. He doesn't go into a ton of detail on a lot of things. So, (laughs) Hmm. yeah. Hmm. He talks about the 2005 Civil War that drove people in two directions, stay in the cities or don't. This effectively drove a wedge further and created further civil duress in the states. The divide of city and country, the divide of political outlooks, the divide of ethics, trying to protect your rights and privacy, He tells us that we will have a Waco-type event every month that steadily gets worse and that it could pretty much be at everyone's doorstep by 2008. Mm -hmm. He may have accurately predicted this one, just 20 years off. My prediction is that the Civil War will happen in 2025 instead of 2005. That's your predict. You're predicting that? Why are you predicting that? I don't know. I just want to see what will happen. Maybe I have some kind of prediction powers. I mean, you want to make a prediction? No. Oh. All those things are would be awful. Yeah, it's, it probably will be awful, but, I mean, John predicted. I just think his time's off. At the worst, maybe just like a civil divorce would be. A civil divorce. That would be what I would hope for would be the worst thing that would happen. Definitely a civil war would not be great. But No. But I do think there is, I mean, there's already some civil unrest happening 
Yes and no. But, you know, there's some there were some situations that could have turned into Waco things not recently, but maybe like five years ago that didn't. So, I mean, maybe we're just on the we're on the up and up timeline. Yeah. Maybe he was on the shitty timeline. Maybe. He's criticizing us for being shitty and we're not even killing each other. Speaking of predictions, let's go over some of John's biggest predictions, okay? Yes, let's do that. Civil War. We done talked about that already. After the war, Omaha, Nebraska is the new U.S. capital, and the United States will be split into five regions. These would be based on differing factors and military objectives. You know, interestingly, he is predicting that. Maybe there doesn't need to be a civil war. Maybe, like, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but even the major news networks are now talking about a breakup of the U.S., which is, like, completely unimaginable even two years ago. Just saying the words is crazy. That anyone on TV would say it and not get, like, censored or disappeared. Yeah. And now it's like, it's not even a thing to just say it. Oh, you know what? I think we should secede. You don't even get made fun of for it now. No. So So maybe there will be five. Maybe there will. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Omaha, here we come. (laughs) He was also asked if there is a favorite poem that he has from his timeline. He throws out a few sentences from a poem that you guys heard, and the poem is called A Soldier's Winter. He claimed that the poem was written by a military person. John says that when the poet died, his poetry got edited and used as a symbol. Oddly enough, in our time, our real time, a retired army colonel named Larry Cluck wrote a poem entitled A Soldier's Winter in 2006. What? It has the same sentences that John tossed out in it. Hmm. How would that happen? Well, I mean, if you look at it, John threw those out in 2001. This is in 2006. I mean, it's very possible that Larry Cluck could have come across these chats. Larry Cluck actually was an older gentleman, I believe, when he wrote this. It's in a book that I think the sales of which were to benefit veterans. And he wrote this poem, and it's about a soldier who I I believe, you know, has gone through a war and is writing a letter to his daughter, I Mm -hmm. think is what it is. Um, So it's a really deep, involved poem. So I don't know that this is the kind of man that would, like, be on a time-traveling forum and then, like, take these sentences and make them into a poem. I mean, the thing is, is when did he really write it? Just because it it was 2006, it's probably been around longer. Maybe. There's a lot of times where aspiring poets and stuff, they will send their poems all over the place for years and years and years and years and years, Mm -hmm. and no one publishes it. Mm -hmm. Unless you you write Twas the Night Before Christmas, and then then it's an instant hit. and (laughs) And then all of a sudden, you know, it's just, you can stumble across these, especially there are esoteric places where poetry and things get published that just is so far from mainstream that we would never come across it yeah so i think there is plausible theft here tighter maybe found it somewhere and he thought no one will ever see this now we're going to move back over to cern we touched on this in part one 
he does say that CERN creates time travel. And so, Mr. Lockwood, I'm going to let you go into a little more depth about CERN, if it's possible, what they got, what they don't got, what John got wrong, what John got right. Well, I don't, we didn't go over his exact descriptions of the actual physics. There's We're a not reading the physics. Here. I'm sorry, dude. So I will begin by reading. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Rest assured, everyone, if he starts reading this, I will cut it out. Because your ears will bleed and no one will get um, it. I mean, CERN, they, they run particle experiments. They're trying to get smaller and smaller and smaller pieces of matter to find out what it does, what it is. That's what they do. That's what they've been doing. What I remember when reading it younger, you know, the time traveling machine was BS. Clearly BS. based on. It seemed like it was all made up. Well, I mean, he, he took kind of what was in physics at the time and just structured it probably on the edge of what we thought might be possible and then just extrapolated it. It was somewhat plausible time machine at the time, but it was just like, there's no way. The things that he talked about, like in his in the future world he was from and everything and the way people lived and that time, it seemed like, oh, wow, that's really possible. You know, that's a really interesting world that he must come from 2036 it was a good amount of time from yeah. 2001 but not so yeah. large that it seemed unattainable because a lot of the people who were reading these are probably thinking well i'm gonna be alive in 2036 you know he didn't say he was from like 23 something right you know right. he was only from like 36 yeah. years in the future and, and i think it's still even a reasonable in some ways, you know, that humans might have to live in a sort of burnout modern time. Dystopia. You know, whatever. Like every movie we exactly. watch. But it's like his dystopia isn't even that much of a dystopia. It's just. No. But the thing is, it's funny is his descriptions of his future seem way less plausible now. Yeah. Because just in those few short years, the world has changed, especially technology has changed so just drastically. We've got space programs we've yeah. got he does like, he does mention that they they have not even thought about going to mars yeah they haven't been to the moon which i think is weird because in 2001 we'd already been to the yeah. moon in the 60s so i mean we that almost, doesn't make sense we nearly me. have self-driving cars we've got advanced robot we've got all this stuff and the thing is is even if the world ended tomorrow the world we know all those technologies are going to be around it's not that hard to build that stuff once it's been done once. Right. So even if we have way less manufacturing base than we do now, we could re we would rebuild it pretty quick. I just that's the way I feel about that. And like computers, going back in time to get an old computer to decipher, you know, mainframes, it would not be hard for someone to reverse engineer it now and fix right. it. Like you don't need to go back in time. That's my problem with that really part don't. of this story is 90% of the reason he had to go back was not so much the computer, but it was that his grandfather worked on the machine and it was his knowledge that he actually yeah. went back to get, but he also got the computer too. Yeah, but to reverse engineer an old IBM mainframe, a team of a few people could do it pretty quickly. Like within maybe months, six months, eight months, they'd probably be reverse engineered most of it. And the thing is, is, those same programmers would be good enough to just write a piece of software that would replace what it does in that same amount of time that would be better and more modern. Right. So, again, that's that's implausible now. 
the time machine has become much more plausible now from what I know, you know, about how physics has changed over the last 20 years. Right. There have been new advancements, and CERN has been sure, some of those, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, they've discovered all sorts of things. So in 1994, a guy named Miguel Alcubierre came up with a solution to Einstein's theories that would allow you to essentially build a warp drive. So, like, it's physically possible, maybe, which was a really big deal. Yeah. And that, that was kind of in the burner of nowhere for a long time. And then here yeah. in the last, like, few years, it's gotten more traction. But the only, the major problem was it, is it required a material that we don't know how to make, which is negative mass. Now, just two months ago, I heard about this. There's another guy that has figured out how to get around that. And by making a device that is a micro singularity, he already designed an experiment that could make one of these. So, and he's working on it. So it could happen soon. That's awesome. So it's crazy. No, that's really awesome. Actually, his description of this thing is kind of not too far off from the now possible theoretical thing that How you would make. exciting is that for you? It's pretty nuts. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of fun. I, I had to say this whole story... Is a lot of fun. Yeah. Now, the only thing is if you had a, a warp drive or ability to a, a gravity drive, that's essentially what this time machine is, you would just go into space and fly around. You wouldn't time travel. Right. It would take way <laughs> less energy to just like float around on an anti-gravity ship. and. Uh, yeah, yeah, and we'd get to say warp speed. Yes. Yes. You would. <laughs> we could actually do warp speed. Uh, probably the first ones would never go that fast, but they would go way faster than what we have now. Well, yeah, it'd still be warp compared to True. what you already yeah. got. Right. So anyway, it's like that warp speed. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty optimistic that it's going to happen sometime in human civilization. I'm not really even coming up with fantasy shit out of my ass. Like I'm no. reading about people that are building this stuff. Of course, they're like, you know, very primordial versions of what... It could be possibly, but, but the still. fact that they're there yeah. is exciting. Five years ago, I there was no known path to do this stuff, and now all of a sudden, there's like there is. serious, real people yeah. figuring out how to do it. Very it's cool. Pretty cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, the last prediction that I have for John that we're going to go over one of the big ones is uh, lots of people die due to Y2K. Now, this prediction came from the faxes because he doesn't really talk a whole lot about it in the chats after the year 2000. Yeah. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> he does allude to the fact that we ought to wonder why it didn't happen, though. Yeah. Yeah. So he kind of alludes to the fact that there he may have done something and then it didn't happen. It was so. never going to happen. And that's all I have. I don't think there were any other that were super interesting. I think those are kind of the ones. Uh, and if you out there listening are some kind of John Titer aficionado, do not educate come for us. me. Yeah, don't come for me. Come for me to educate yeah. me. Yes. It would um, be great if you had really good because insight on if it. If you are yeah. a John Titer aficionado, you know that there's no way I could have put all this info into two <laughs> episodes. You know it. I know it. We all know it. We all know it. So don't come at me. All right. So John next tells us that he has two windows for departure and that they would be in the spring. 
Now, let me ask you something, Mr. Lockwood, because when I was reading this, having a window for time travel just didn't sit well with me. I feel like if you have a time machine, you just hop in that thing and away you go. How is there like some kind of window like there is when you're traveling to Mars? Like you got to wait till Mars is the closest. That doesn't seem like it would be relevant to time travel. Well, he did say that the machine has to take into account its position, even where Earth's position is at the time. Mm, that is so true. Yeah, he did say that. It is possible that he has to wait until the Earth will be in the right spot when he leaves, or he has to leave when the Earth is in the vice versa, whatever. Okay. So, so he covered that one, I guess. Yeah. He's good at covering yeah. his own ass. <laughs> March 24th, 2001. John makes his final chat entries. He answers a few final questions and leaves us with, bring a gas can with you when the car dies on the side of the road. Farewell, John. He does say, though, that his father made a videotape of his departure. My only question is, where is the fucking tape? Yeah, no kidding. Because this would quite literally settle the whole debate of his legitimacy. Well, I don't think it'd settle it. I It mean, could be fake. I, I feel like it would be harder to doctor in the year 2000. Right. But if there were a tape and it was like, you know. Did you find it? Spectacular. Oh, you, you got a surprise for me and all of us? That is not the surprise. Oh. No, I do have a surprise for you. Something that I don't think you knew about. I hope you didn't know about it because I just bumped into it. We'll get to that in a minute. But no, Um, if I had the tape, if I could find the tape, oh, my God, I I probably would have driven to your work today and did a happy (laughs) dance on the table in front of you. So you knew how happy I was. So like when I get a manila envelope tomorrow in my mailbox with like a, (laughs) a VHS tape in it. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, we won't do anything with it because we have not had a VCR in many, many years. I know someone who's got one. You do? Mm-hmm. Mavis's dad. Oh, yeah. Mavis's dad does have oh, yeah. all He's that got stuff. It. Shout out to the electronic guy. Yeah. <laughs> Vintage electronics. So anyway, there's no tape, and that saddens me to no end because that would just be the cherry on top of this well, whole story. Yeah. Here are some additional details that you, Mr. Lockwood, may not have known before this. In part one, in the chats, John made one mention of a woman named Pamela. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the woman he is referring to is a woman named Pamela Moore. John chatted in various different chat rooms over the six months he was here, and he met her on a UFO-themed chat room. Mm-hmm. Pamela quickly became the closest person to John, although never speaking on the phone with him or meeting him in real life. Pamela says that she began to have detailed dreams about a time traveler in 1998. <laughs> When she started talking to John, she said that the more they chatted, she began to realize that he was the guy in the dream. Yeah, but now we're just mixing two kinds of stories, right? I love that there's just some kind of, I dreamt of you time traveling love story yeah, in the I middle think that's, of us. It's called a fantasy. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. This story's got it all. Yeah. 
Well, this is her. Ver- this is her adding on to the story, though. But to wait, be fair, there's more. Before leaving, John tells her the name of a song that is a secret between the two of them. Mm-hmm. If anyone else should show up claiming to be him, he should know the song to prove it's him. He also mailed her part of an IBM 5110 label, not a 5100. (laughs) And I have a picture of that here. So this is the actual piece of the label that was mailed to Pamela. Pamela took this picture. Is it like fabric? Uh, That's what it looks like to me. And I don't understand what the significance of sending a 5110 label to her when the computer that he got was a 5100. Right. How does that make any damn sense? I don't, don't know. I mean, I, I literally can just discount this picture. Maybe she got catfished by someone that was pretending to be him. You know, I did think that. And I have more on how I feel about Pamela. The other thing about Pamela is that she has an ongoing relationship with the woman claiming to be John Titer's mother, Kay. Still? Mm-hmm. No way. Mm-hmm. This relationship is in the form of packages and letters and is completely facilitated through a man named Larry Haber, who is Kay's lawyer. That's suspicious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'll get back to Larry in a bit. I mean, how do you trust? How do you trust any anything about somebody if all you've ever gotten is packages with just letters in it? You've never talked to the person on the phone. It's all through a third party. I just it's very don't. very suspicious. But Par- you know the lawyer's name. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here is the thing that I think that you may never have heard before. I mean, a lot of this I haven't heard, so. Okay, great. Your odds are very good. Yes. In 2009, a video was posted on the lawyer Larry Haber's YouTube account. Nice. The title of the post is Letter 117 Tempest Edax Rerum, which means... Time that devours all things. Mr. Haber's description in this YouTube video says only Kay Titer requested this letter from John Titer be posted in November of 2009. I will post the link to the original video in the show notes. We are going to have Mr. Lockwood read them. You ready? Yeah. Greetings. I am the man you know as John Titor. Correction, I am one of the men you know as John. In 1999, I was the second to arrive on the same world line as the other man you know as John. It was I who wrote the post in November and January. When I return to 2001, we'll write for the final time in March. My mother will release this message to you in November of 2009. The other John wrote the post in December and February. He too will write his final post in March of 2001. As I write this now, the date is March 22, 2009, and the divergence is 1.941. This is not the first time I have been in your future. I was here before, writing the first post in 2001. I tried to warn you. I tried to wake you. As time passes, I fear you will witness the transition from your apathy. Independence to your children's fall into bondage. 
I feel sorry for you. You will not know the peace and freedom I will have when I return home. In spite of my efforts, the war that gave that gift to me may come to you much later. To prove to you who I am a friend will corroborate the significance of the musical group, the B-52s. I am sorry about the strife and difficulty you have had these past years. It was required. As I said after 1975, when I arrived in 1999, there was already another John there. The two of us devised a plan to return to separate world lines. The plan required that each of us travel to different time periods between 1998 and 2009 and take measurements with our displacement machine. We had to find a way to communicate these measurements in a way that would last and could be easily found later. Our first attempt was with the fax to Art Bell. I traveled to 1998 first and left the first fax with Art. The other John traveled there later and was able to find my fax. He then left the second fax. As the plan is now progressing, we are able to use the internet and the posts we made and will make a foundation. We will post the measurements we had made in various time periods on different world lines. Every time someone posts about John Titer after 2001, they will become more permanent and easier for me or another John to find. If the other John or even another John ever arrives in your future trying to get home, he will now see the numbers he needs in the posts. If he were to hear this message, he will know what to do. The final measurements are on the website. My mother's attorney has overseen this. This is the reason we made the posts. With your help, they will last. They're assigned posts to other Johns who are lost and need our work to return home. For this, I must thank all of you. Tempus edax rerum. Time will devour all things. It made me laugh. Yeah. It's cute. I kind of like it. Yeah, it's a cool idea, but it's also very conveniently like, hey, everyone, keep doing this thing. Let the troll continue that we trolled you with before. Right. I I like how they tied up the whole Art Bell thing. I like how it seemed like, you know, the one was written by one and the one was written by the other. I don't know. I, I thought it was um convenient, neat little bow way to tie it up, yeah. you know, kind of. But but it still left it open-ended. And the fact that it's on the lawyer's YouTube channel is, is weird. I, I don't know. The lawyer <laughs> aspect is interesting. I want to know more. I'm glad that I could present that to yeah, you. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Mr. Lockwood read the one that you guys heard. The one that I'll leave the link to, you guys should listen to that too, because it is done in a like robotic yeah, computer voice, computer red voice. And when I first started listening to it, it was a little eerie. I, yeah. there's something about that voice that made it a little creepier. I'm thinking that voice is a, it's a fairly old computer. It would be like an Atari. Yeah. It's a like, very creepy old, old, old computer voice. Yeah, it's definitely like an early 90s kind of computer. Which I think just adds to it. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah, it's fun. In 2017, John's mother, Kay, sends Pamela a package, and included in it was a letter from John, an album with a record inside, and a CD with something on it that Pamela says that she wants to keep private. 
Included in the package was also a personal letter from Kay saying that she was sorry she couldn't communicate more often, but she was nervous and was holding back. Mm -hmm. John's letter was two pages, and it said in part, Dear Pam, over what has been 15 years, I have considered you to be a dear friend who deserves the best explanation I can give. You should know that your efforts played an important role in allowing me a chance to get home. He goes on to explain that she had been in communication with more than one John the whole time. More importantly, that other Johns may arrive and need the post to stay up as long as possible. So I wanted to show you in that letter from John in 2009, he mentions that the two Johns are posting a log of their divergence Mm -hmm. numbers. And that is so that one can look at it and figure out how to get back when they show up here. And here actually is a picture of that log. The last time that that was used was 2009, Mm -hmm. March of 2009. And they're just like two little charts. It's got the 177th Mm. unit logo on it. And it basically just says John 1 and John 2. And there's times and divergent codes. And and at the bottom, it says, good luck, John. Mm. (laughs) You look like you have feelings about this. It's an old web. It's it's like a Netscape rendering of a website. That's how old it is. Mm -hmm. Like the software that was rendered the image. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you have to admit this whole thing is very elaborate. Oh, yeah. Intertwined and elaborate. Certainly doesn't have any silly plot holes like every freaking movie that they write now. No. But I like the idea that the two Johns somehow ended up in the same time and they were both responsible for the faxes and they were both responsible for the chats. Yeah. This is a theory. That's what the letter in 2015 says. So the question I have is... Could this get weirder? Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) Indeed, it could. Let's move on to John Titer's mother's lawyer, Larry Haber. Larry Haber is an entertainment lawyer out of Florida. He has a brother named John Haber, who is a computer expert. Mm -hmm. In 2008... An Italian TV program hired a private investigator to track down more information on John Titer. They were unable to come up with any evidence of any kind of a real John Titer. However, they did notice that Mr. Haber had a large involvement in all things Titer. Larry Haber is the CEO of the for-profit John Titer Foundation. This foundation was established in 2003 and holds the copyright for the design of the military insignia for the 177th unit. Mm -hmm. That's not suspicious at all. Suspicious or interesting? Well, when you say for profit, then you wonder, well, how how does this company make money? So his brother, John Haber, was a computer programmer during the late 90s and had the technical knowledge to fabricate and facilitate such a hoax. In addition, 
Larry claims to represent Kay Titer, John's mother, who, much like her elusive son, has never actually been seen by anyone. Okay. <laughs> the John Titer Foundation website has only a picture of the diversion log. So the only thing, if you go to www.johntiterfoundation.com, that divergent log is the only thing on there. It's a one-page website, and that's all that's on and there. And it's just an image. It's not a actual HTML page. I It is an HTML page, but this, somebody had taken this from that, maybe mm. screenshotted it or something, and then cropped it down. Well, can you open it? Yeah. Okay, so it is an actual website with HTML, but it's very much styled to look just like an old website. Okay. Which even styling it would take, it would actually not be that easy to style it to make it look like an old shitty website. Like right. rendered, as if rendered by like Netscape Navigator. One page. There's no nav bar. There's no way to get to anywhere yeah. else. This is all that it's for, apparently, is so that the Johns. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Can find it. Right. Uh, I love that this is just out there, though. Like, it's just yeah. something in the world for time travelers to look at, you know, these specific time travelers. There is also a man named Joseph Matheny who claims that he was approached to participate in this so-called John Titer project. His credentials? Well, they're pretty good if you are wanting to construct an immersive, elaborate online hoax. Oh, Yeah. Matheny <laughs> is an online game creator who, among many other games, created one called Ong's Hat. This is one of the internet's earliest conspiracy games. This was a game where, very basically, Matheny used the internet to create a legend, or lore, if you will, to get people to participate and make them believe that the characters that he had created were real. Hmm. He had everyone convinced that in a small town in New Jersey, something otherworldly had taken place. Okay. In 2001... Matheny ended the project by announcing to the community that, quote, the Ong's Hat project is now concluded. I think that we are successful in laying the groundwork for the coming change. The gateways are open now. <laughs> End quote. Nice. <laughs> This admission was not taken well by some, and most people were angry and did not believe him. He said, quote, Upending people's sense of reality made them violently paranoid, end quote. This game could be considered one of the first alternative reality games. It kind of, it was a game that had like a Blair Witch effect, um, where people... Read about it, uh, saw it. People traveled to this town in the state and believed the lore that he had created and came up with a bunch of very John Titer esque like things. But at the end of the day, it was something that this guy had created as like an experiment or a project. And so after I found that out, 
looking at the whole John Titer thing, it really just kind of re- it reeks of this guy. Yeah. And he claims that he was approached by Haber to work on this. So you've okay. got this computer expert guy. You've got this guy who has done something very similar. And then you've got Larry Haber, who is an entertainment lawyer, you know, who can do all the things. What is an entertainment lawyer? <laughs> I don't know. Do they like dance and sing? at the same time <laughs> that you're consulting or what? You went a step further than I went. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think he probably deals in mostly managing media creation and mm-hmm. bands which is interesting shit. isn't it well bands yeah. pornos I, I think the <laughs> just trying to get along with the story <laughs> he's a greasy porno lawyer he isn't might he might be he might be bet you he is but there i think florida probably would have been a good place for some porno industry Why? back in the day because it's like, you know, it's got beautiful people. Everyone's tan. It's a nice place to live. <laughs> and this guy's their lawyer. And that guy's their lawyer. I like these three as suspects. Sure. You know, they fit. Um, so we're going to now move on to the last little thing that I have here before we get into the theories. I found this one chat that made me nearly squeal with delight. And a whole bunch of other, like, what the hell feelings. On February 2nd, 2001, there is a chat that is left for John Titer. And I don't believe that John Titer ever gets back to the chat poster. And that chat goes like this. Hey, you're a time traveler too. Have you ever interacted with any of the pre-1983 staff at Montauk? If so, you may have met me. When I was working there, I was a R&D assistant to Dr. Von Neumann and was known as Daniel John Waters and had the rank of lieutenant colonel in the PSI course. I looked exactly like Jack Parsons in that incarnation and was in on the rebellion that Al Bielik, Preston Nichols were all on and was working with Duncan Cameron on the specific night everything went down. I discovered this largely via recovered memories and physical research. But my website and story can be read at, and then he gives the website address But I have no hard evidence that this person existed, which is why I'm trying to contact other travelers. By the way, this isn't my original timeline, as I believe that I jumped timelines not long after doing work with Steve Gibbs on his trip up to Calgary, Canada. John. And this guy's name is John Tooker. (laughs) Uh uh-huh what a troll yeah well i looked him up he's real he's real what do you mean he's real he's a real person that other people have interacted with okay kind of like our favorite preston b nichols kind of (laughs) guy so anyway i was really excited about this weird crossover If you are not a first-time listener, you will know that we have done two episodes on Camp Hero and the Montauk Project. Also, all of the names in that chat will sound very familiar to you. 
I myself could not believe that there was a Montauk connection crossover in this story. Um, <laughs> I did not, did not imagine in my wildest dreams that while digging through John Titer, I would come across a Montauk Project reference. <laughs> so I was over the moon excited about that. I did try to investigate John Tooker, but couldn't really find much on him. I tried going to the website he mentions, but the page is not up or is broken. There are no leads on his past name of Daniel John Waters either. It seems like a dead end, but it was a very shocking discovery nonetheless. So (laughs) if this is confusing to you because you have no idea what we're talking about as far as the Montauk Project and all these other names... Go back and listen to the Montauk Projects ones. They're they're really good. They're, they're a lot of fun. So, yeah, they're funny. Yeah, so I am pumped. <laughs> All right. Never so. going to get away from John Von Neumann. Why do they got to drag his name through the mud in every episode? I don't. I'm sorry. Like, I did. I read it, and I felt bad for you. And I was like, Mr. Lockwood is not going to like that. <laughs> that Mr. Von Neumann shows back up in this scenario. So... I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You're so upset. I know. All right. So now we're going to get into theories. You ready? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) hit me. I've been hitting you. I think it'll be pretty straightforward. Every theory we come up with. The first theory I have for you is Larry and John Haber created John Titer. But for what purpose? The foundation is a for-profit organization. Could they really have created this story just so they could sell a t-shirt and merch in the future? It's an elaborate way to make some money. I mean, how would how do they make how would what's their business model? I mean, I, I don't know. I and here's the thing, the Habers have denied intensely that they have neither one of them are John Titer. Well. I mean, that, that doesn't mean anything, sure. but just so you know, they're not like, oh, well, is it us? They're like, no, it's not us. Okay. Given their backgrounds and Larry's involvement with Pamela and facilitating the story along up until 2017, as far that's as far up as I know anything's yeah. happened, um, it's suspicious. <laughs> Yeah. Really fucking suspicious. Or all the John Titers have them on retainer. Maybe. I mean, that's possible. Well, they're either shysters or they're actually these guys' lawyers. Somebody's lawyers, whoever is behind it. That was my first suspicion was like, you know, you said they're a media lawyer. Entertainment lawyer. I guess generalized entertainment. It would be, you know, someone involved in media creation. Yeah. So they're probably the lawyer of whoever is John Titer or who has generated John Titer. Why do you think it couldn't just be the lawyer and hit a couple of his buddies or a Could couple? Could be. You know. Lawyers are usually pretty busy. All right. Well, let's move on yeah. to the next, next theory. Joseph Matheny, along with the Haber brothers, constructed the elaborate ruse. His background in AR gaming is strikingly helpful in propelling this theory forward. And unlike the Haber brothers, he claims it was fake and admits to being involved with the John Titer. He's spoken out and said, I was, you know, I was part of this. 
As far as Matheny and the Habers go, I do see where these two brothers could have invented the idea of the basic storyline, approached Matheny to deploy and manage the project. After ending it, Joseph decides to just admit it and claim some credit while the brothers deny it and continue benefiting from the controversy and the intrigue. How do they make money? My guess is... If it, that seems pretty plausible, what I mean, you're maybe, describing, maybe they don't want the money necessarily. They just kind of want this like elusive, or maybe weird they got fame. This guy to do it, and they promised they'd pay him, and they didn't. Who and knows? then he's like, "Screw you guys! I'm blowing this." Yeah. Cover, but since he's a professional liar too, nobody believes him either. <laughs> well, and he's pulled a stunt like this yeah. before. You know, it's kind of what That's he's what famous I mean. for. Yeah. And even. Matheny, when he like pieces out of the Ong's hat situation, the way he words things seem very similar to the way John words things, I think, personally. Well, it's you got to have the again, non falsifiability as much as you Mm -hmm. can. You know, this is like you're a big fan of the catfish show. Yes. What do the catfish (laughs) sound like all the time? They sound just like this. They sound like anything you want them to be. That's right. Mm -hmm. They answer everything in a way that allows you to believe whatever it is you believe. To fill in the gaps. To fill in the gaps. Yeah. And and John was really good at that. Yeah. And they always have the weird excuse like, you know, the, well, how come you didn't talk to me for a week? And they always have some like, oh, well, you know, I had this really important thing going on. I'm not even good at it because I'm not a catfish, but like. (laughs) You know, they always have some excuse that's like, it's clearly dumb. It's really not even a good excuse. It's just, they just have this way of wording it. And they all have the same sound. Same thing like internet trolls. Their lie has this certain stench to it. Catfish stink. Yeah. (laughs) And this has it. Yeah. In certain ways. It does. I think not all the time, which kind of helps make it seem better. It's interesting that a second John Titer gets thrown into this mix. Yeah, that that's fun. It's fun, and it's also convenient. Oh, this guy was typing to you in these two months, and this guy was t- typing to you in these three months. Then you suddenly get an explanation for why there are inconsistencies in the story. Because if they came from two different world lines, their worlds would be a yeah. little bit different. I think there's a lot of post-initial Titer chat cover-up happening whoever invented this decided that people were like this is definitely fake and they wanted to keep it going so let's throw in a second john he's from a different world line and we'll just say that he was answering some of the questions yeah it definitely takes a long quite a long a bit of effort to maintain this thing over the years and to and to to patch it up to try and make it more self-consistent over time yes yeah yeah and i like that you know, there's so many years in between things. Like, these people had eight years to fucking think up the... This is someone's magnum opus. It really is. I like it a lot. <laughs> uh, the last theory that I have is that time travel and John Titer are real. That's the last theory of every story mm-hmm. we do, is the story is real. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, it's... I guess that's... You have to. <laughs> Most people start with the story is real and then tear it apart. <laughs> yeah. I like to end with it's real because, like, who knows, right? So some reasons why he could be real. 
are that John's diagrams for the time machine have baffled many investigators. They are clearly made by someone who has extensive knowledge of electronics. So good, in fact, that one man by the name of Marlon Pullman, a software engineer, decided to apply for a patent on it in 2006. He said that, quote, I just want one and I don't have the means to build it. This man literally applied for the patent for the time machine, took the pictures of John's manual, and went to the patent office and was like, I need to patent me this time machine. Mm -hmm. I actually have a picture of the actual U.S. patent. Then he got it? Uh, No. I believe it was denied. And I did not put this in my notes But I will tell you that this guy ended up being put in prison for, like, heinous, unwanted sexual acts against a woman. So he ended up being a real shitbag. But (laughs) um, he did try. (laughs) Like, I guess we could give him credit for that. Well, Um, and you said he was a software engineer. Yeah. See, this is kind of funny to me is because... Software patents are like the worst. Yeah. There's so many. The United States Patent Office, they've granted so many software patents for like really, really things that they shouldn't do. It wouldn't surprise me if that actually would have gone through. I wonder why they denied it. Probably because he couldn't build one or something. I don't know. Probably because he couldn't fucking accurately explain it. Yeah, it could be. I don't even know if you have... That's the thing with patents. I don't know. Do you actually have to explain it? There's a lot of goofy, like, Harvey Whizbang-like <laughs> patents Yeah. that exist. Oh, yeah. People used to run down the patent office will not patent work. everything. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway. That's one thing I want to do before I die. I want to try to patent just some random shit that I made. <laughs> Um, For me, Pamela is the largest part of the unknown portion of this story. She is a real person. Yeah. People have interviewed her. I think that if she isn't in on the joke, then it's a pretty terrible thing to put someone through. I think that if somebody had taken advantage of her with these chats, um, let's say it was one of these three guys that was, you know, in on this hoax. Yeah. They, like, convinced this poor woman of all this stuff and then, you know, sent her a a tag. But, you know, now she's only communicating through the lawyer with a woman that is supposed to be John's mother, whom she's never talked to, never met. No one has actually really ever met. And the mother is not only sending her things, they're from John. And there's letters from John. And this has been perpetuating now for nearly 20 years for this woman all i could think when i was reading this is if john titer is not real then i feel really bad for pamela sick thing it's a sick joke i i don't like that for her sake i hope john's real i really do even if he is is he worth wasting 20 years of your life on I don't think she's like waiting around for him or anything, but I still think that this is crazy. He disappears, he's gone, he moves on. And then like almost 10 years later, this letter pops up in 2017, almost 20 years later, you get correspondence with 
the mother through mail packages and letters, but through Larry Haber. I guess it just depends how good-hearted of a good-natured she is and what she thinks of this. Yeah. And I, I feel like it would be a hard time. I would have a hard time, even if I started out as like, oh, this is a fun gag. If I kept it up for 20 years. Don't you feel fucking terrible? I feel like it would brainwash me. Yeah. Well, if you were on Pamela's end of it. Yeah. And I would eventually just fall into this. I mean, it's like, who can resist their favorite propaganda forever without it working on them? Right. But on on the other side of it, whoever is perpetuating this and keeping this going, you are the ultimate fucking troll. Oh, yeah. You... Two two decades cat, you've been fish. doing this? It's a catfish situation. Yeah. It is. I mean, the fact that you would stick with one person yeah. forever. It's it's, it's wild. Weird. Yeah. So, I mean, those Unless are... Unless she's in on it. Maybe. I mean, it's possible. So, that does lead me to the reasons why John probably isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> and neither is time travel yet. His answers are somewhat inconsistent at times. For example, stating that money is widely used and people still have credit cards. But then he goes on to say that centralized banking no longer exists. There are many more examples of this in his answer. So we kind of touched on that a little bit already. But if you throw in another John texting or or chatting, then that makes sense. So I do feel like there was a lot, like we just said, of patchwork happening in the years behind this. The world line theory, to me, is insane. Yeah. (laughs) I believe there could be other world lines, but the fact that every time you go back and stop your machine, you create another timeline seems excessive to me. I don't actually know how it works, but in my brain, if that were happening, there would be billions of world lines, and that just seems a little fantastical well, to infinite. me. Infinite. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's, it just comes again down to energy. Somehow, all those worlds would have to be maintained, whether they're created when you time travel, and now there's two just parallel existing ones. Mm-hmm. There'd be an upper limit. How many, how many you, can make? you can do that? Right. Ooh, maybe that's why it's all dark. And when you yeah. stop, if you create a timeline, is it basically like some kind of a copy of the one that you were on? So, yeah. like, how many times can you copy something before it's kind of depleted of energy? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's a pretty straightforward way of looking at it. That's kind of how I look at it. Right. It can't go on forever. No. I can't get on board yeah. that time travel ship with, with that. Yeah. And no. that. That's the other thing. It's like even the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics. When they're talking about that, they're talking about two quirks and, an, and a down dick. <laughs> I don't like think I know in a what petri you mean. dish. I just, I just mean they're, they're <laughs> you, talking did about. Did you just, you wanted just me to make that face? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> they're just, it's, they're, they're talking about in the experimental world in a tiny, tiny, tiny little system that they're doing math with. When they say like, it's the multi-world interpretation, they're not saying this. Right. You know, this like. Is, this is, I, I just yeah. don't think this is possible yeah. at all. Every time, you know, an electron jumps left instead of right, right, now it's in a different universe. And the whole new universe, including everyone in it and everything, and the, right. the stars and everything, exists now. Like, that's not what they're saying. That's what I see yeah. happening, but it just doesn't make it's sense. It's not the Rick and Morty. No. Which brings me to something that just popped into my brain. 
if this were indeed possible and you could just stop a time machine and you're in a different world yeah. world line, you're, you're not on that same one, like it creates a new one. If we knew the world was going to end, couldn't we just theoretically all get into a massive time machine, go back, insert ourselves into a new timeline where the world doesn't end, and bam, we don't have to go to Mars? That other world that took on all these people would have twice as many people, and then mm -hmm. they would have a civil war, and it would blow up, and you'd be right back where you started. Yeah, I, I don't have anything to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The smart thing to do would be like the 100 people left behind. Oh, Got yeah. the whole place yourself. Well, I mean, I'm sure there would be people who are just like, I'm too fucking old. <laughs> Go on without me. I'll just blow up here with this earth. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wouldn't blow up if everyone left. You know, it's the people who are doing the killing and the blowing up. No, I just mean like if there was like some kind of something going to hit the planet. Oh. And like the end was, oh, yeah. was coming, you know. Couldn't we all just like go to a different timeline well where... i'd recommend going further away from the sun well yeah no matter what i know that i i have my solid thought on this yeah do you have one how do you feel about this at the end i know coming in you really love this story but now i just kind of like blew a giant like three-man hole in in the end of it i definitely so... like that i mean it's certainly my suspicion of like obviously it's a very elaborate very, 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 very well done, you know, troll yeah. story, which I love. The two-decade troll. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to be honest, it's like my real perspective is obviously it's a troll. It always is, always mm -hmm. has been, always will be. The thing that hurts the most is not that you <laughs> found these people that were behind it. Yeah. I think it's more fun if we never knew who it was that did it. I lightweight feel yeah. bad for you. This kind of sucks. This is like Mr. Lockwood thought unicorns were real, and now I have no, to tell not, him that <laughs> I, that someone just glued it's a horn that. on a horse. You know, I definitely knew it wasn't real, but <laughs> it's a lot less fun now. <laughs> it's less fun when you know that there's people out there that yeah. You know. It's more fun even if you suspect there are people out there, but you don't know their names and yeah. what they do and yeah. how they were probably involved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you find out that they're kind of a little bit slimy, and it's like, well, that makes sense. Right. You have to be a little slimy to do this. And then you find out about poor fucking yeah, Pamela and then, yeah, over that maybe here. there's essentially some form of abuse possibly happening. <laughs> oh. I mean, it'd really be up to her to explain yeah. how that's okay with her. Right. That like, yes, I understand. And I'm sure she, she, there's a lot of things that she's kept very, yeah. very private. Yeah. So there might be just a ton more evidence that we just aren't privy to. Wow. Or she's part of it and she, hopefully she gets a little money for it. And I personally think that there are quite a few people during the chats that were involved and were in on this game. So I actually yeah, think that there is certainly a, very possible. I think that there was a handful of people that were doing the question asking in the chats that, that knew very well what was happening. Well, it would explain why some of the questions are so good. Uh-huh, because some of those questions are really good. Yeah. Yeah, and then some of them are just ridiculously yeah. stupid. Yeah. Well, you, I remember you mentioning to me that it was the later ones that were much more like the internet we know today. They were angrier. Yeah. Yeah. And they were more just kind of... Not John's as, a liar. John not as open-minded sounding. Yes. Yes. And, and the questions specifically pertaining to the time traveling unit itself, they were not as intelligent yeah. as the first. Well, so maybe that's why. At the end yeah. of the day, 
if you created this enormous elaborate farce that you're trying to get people to believe, I mean, like, how long do you, how long do you let it play out? How long do you go? How long before you've answered all the questions? And is there a more perfect way to end it? That is, well, yeah. to me, yeah, it's great. just the ultimate, like, well, I have to go back. Yeah, no excuse needed. No why excuse I'm needed. Gone. You understand, right? Yeah. Peace out. Get your gas can. Yeah. Well, that would make sense. So a really good con is always going to have some of the con people are going to be in the audience. Right. Maybe one sitting right next to you. You know, so you always have to keep that in mind, too. Yeah. I look at you and wonder if you're in Are you in all. on it? Maybe. Maybe. Did they get to you? Question everything. Are you from the future? Believe no one. <laughs> I'm going to post links to everything. Guys, feel free to yeah. look at those videos. Listen to any of the Art yeah. Bell stuff. Like It's fun. It's a, it's a lot of fun. We had a, I, we had a lot of yeah. fun doing it. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? If you find the chats on, get them on your phone in the morning while you're having your coffee, instead of looking Scroll at thrilling. whatever goofy thing on Facebook is today, cats. read the chats. You'll mm. have a good time. It's fun. Chats, not cats. <laughs> Did I say cats? No. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's, there's my spectrum moment. Woo! Full circle. <laughs> yep. Chats, not cats. Yes. It's a good time. Scroll chats. They are not fun. Cats. We hope you guys enjoyed this one. Hit us up in our Facebook group where we can talk about all this stuff. If you have additional information or need to let us know something else important about this, we would love to hear. Yeah, it. absolutely. And John, if you're out there, good luck. Good luck, John. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Do you have a story that's weird or fascinating? Would you like to have your story read at the end of an episode? If so, please send your story to wthh.podcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing your stories. If you'd like more episodes and bonus content, join Patreon to become a member. If you liked our episode, please remember to like, rate, and review. Thank you for listening.